0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to a bonus episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and I was planning on taking. Uh, a week off from podcasting. I know uh, Todd Zola and Jeff Erickson have a have a great pod coming for everyone. I think Thursday, uh, but I had to have Tim McCloud on uh, because I finally got to to hang out with Tim at, at First Pitch Arizona for the first time this past year, and I had mentioned that I'd I'd really love to have him on whenever uh, kind of the the top guys from Asia signed this year, um, because that is definitely not my wheelhouse, but. Uh, my buddy Ian Kahn has been saying for years that, that Tim's the guy to talk to uh, whenever these guys sign, and I mean he he just knows these guys better than than probably anyone I know. So uh, really excited to have have Tim on, and, and thanks so much for joining me.
2: Uh, thanks so much for the invite, James, and I'll have to thank Ian for the kind words. Uh, we go back uh, a long ways and are very good friends. And uh, uh, I, I know he likes—I uh, know he likes your, your rankings as does Jeff Erickson. So I'm really excited to be on talking about some of the Asian players. And again, I thank you.
1: Yeah, no, uh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm I'm here to learn. Uh, how long have you been kind of focused on that that market? Uh, I know in your your Baseball HQ bio, it said you've you've been looking for the the next e tro for quite some time.
2: Yeah, I think my my first published player capsule was going back to, oh, somewhere around 2005. And at that point in time, Peter Kreitzer of the... uh, Ask ask Rota man Peter, Peter Kreitzer and the fantasy baseball guy was looking for somebody who might be able to contribute some information on Japanese players. So I quickly wrote up a blurb about Dice K Matsuzaka. And said when he comes over, he's going to break the bank. And I never thought Peter would publish it, but he did. And that was the beginning of a long journey, journey writing and podcasting. So I thank you, Peter, for that opportunity. And, yeah, it goes back to Dice K pretty well as as my first scouted Japanese player.
1: Yeah, that's that's a lot of players between Dice K and now. Yeah. A uh, pile. <laughs> Well, when we were in, when we were at first pitch, uh, you know, you were really singing the praises of of Cody Senga. Uh, what did I guess we'll get into sort of a, a scouting report on him from you here in a second? But uh, what did you make of him landing with the Mets, uh, five years, seventy five million?
2: Yeah, it's it's a great deal. Uh, uh, I was actually surprised when I looked at the deal that Yoshida got in comparison to Senga. My, my first thought was, uh, Senga, you could have held out for a little bit more because there's no posting fee on that deal as well. So, yeah, I think the Mets have done very well in acquiring a number three type starter with number two type upside. So, Hey, I'm all over it. Uh, kudos to the Mets.
1: So let's get into his Senga's sort of what, what he's got to offer here. Uh, I've seen sort of varying reports on the fastball velocity. Uh, a lot of people talk about the forkball. What do you kind of envision his repertoire looking like in 2023?
2: Well, I think I think you're going to see a lot of fastballs. I think you're going to see a lot of forkballs. He can also complement them well uh, with his other off-speed stuff. Uh, he can, he's going to work in the in the mid mid to high nineties with the fastball. But when he's in a situation where he needs that fastball, he can crank it up to he can crank it up to the other side of a hundred. Uh, again, big fastball. The forkball is an awesome pitch. Uh, it's going to it's going to give uh, hitters big time trouble because it just literally falls off the plate. So um, I think what you're looking at here is a number three type starter with number two upside. And currently, if you go to the uh, NFBC ADPs. Uh, I think you're going to find him in a situation where you're going to like his spot a lot, especially on the early drafts. Now it's going to catch up, I think, mm-hmm. as we head towards spring. But for now, I think he's a great buy in uh, early leagues.
1: Yeah, i I like the the landing spot with the Mets too, yeah. because you know it's a you're going to get some run support, um, good ballpark. And uh, yeah, I mean, are, are you comfortable with him as as kind of your like your third starting pitcher, your fourth starting pitcher, if you're doing a, a 15 team fantasy league?
2: If I'm doing a 15 team, I'm I'm comfortable with a number three. I'd love to get obviously, I'd love to get him as my number four, but I'm comfortable as a three. And I think the other thing that we have to look at is the fact that as a number three. With number two, he's going to be going up against a lot of number threes that I don't think possess his skill set. So I think, especially early on in the season, it's going to give him a bit of an edge. And again, with with that forkball uh, and the unfamiliarity in North America, I, I think it's going to give it's going to give some hitters some some fits early on, especially.
1: How many uh, you know? Do do you think he will adjust to the 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 big league um you know schedule for starters well like how, how do you think he's going to handle that that type of workload that, that guys get asked to, to pitch here
2: well he's a veteran player okay we're, we're looking at a pitcher i believe he turns 30 this year um uh, i don't think there'll be that much of an adjustment problem in japan uh he pitches once a week they have they're using six man rotations basically it's just going to mean swinging to every fifth day and i I don't perceive that as being a huge issue. If he was 22 years old, it might be a different story. We're talking about a veteran pitcher with a lot of innings under his belt. So I think he's going to adjust well, James.
1: And how many total innings do you think he can handle? Or what would you sort of project him for um, for 2023?
2: Uh, I'm I'm looking at probably 140 to 150 as a conservative estimate. And uh, I'm looking at a lot of pitching Based on conservative estimates early on, I think we saw last year uh, the number of 200 inning pitchers is almost non existent. And once you get down into the 170, 180, it thins pretty quick. So I'm looking at 140, 150 as a safe, as a safe sort of floor type number.
1: Yeah. And that's like, like you said, once you kind of get past, uh, well, like the, the very best guys, but then even once you kind of get past like, Lancelin, uh, you're you're kind of just hoping for 140 150 innings from whoever you're taking in that range. Otherwise, or, or if you're not, if you're hoping for more than that, they're probably not going to give you good ratios and good skills.
2: Well, yeah, you. and with Lance Lynn, you're just hoping he can stand on both those knees for a full season.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and do you? Uh, and and the the contract, like you said, I think you know everyone. We, we knew there were some guys coming over this year, but Senga seemed like the biggest prize, at least from from what I was sort of seeing. Um, you know, we, we can look at the two contracts. Yoshida got uh, $15 million more, um, same same amount of years, but Senga has the, the opt-out after two years. Uh, do you think that that was maybe a strategic thing where he can come over here for a couple of years, show what he's got? And then get back out on the market for for one last big final contract.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's a I think it's a great deal from that perspective. And you totally nailed it. You know, he's got himself locked into a five year deal where he's making good money. Okay, at the end of uh, two or three, I can't remember which one it is. If I'll go with I'll go with two, but at the end of when he's got that opt out, if he pitches as well as he is potentially capable of pitching. Yeah, he can get himself. Uh, he can get himself uh, a three to five year deal. I would. Uh, I would think with no problems, and if it doesn't work out according to plan, well, he's got himself a good five year deal. So I think it's. A, I think it's a win win, and I think it's a smart move on his behalf.
1: So uh, let's move on to Yoshida. Um, I you know I think the the Red Sox. <laughs> I've I've really sort of soured on. Uh, how much I kind of trust what they're doing uh, over the past year or so. Uh, i I think I'd probably have more confidence in this player if he'd signed with you know a handful of other teams. Uh, but what's your kind of general scouting report on your Sheeta and how how much fantasy impact is there here?
2: Yeah, it, it's an interesting situation because most uh, everything that I've read, uh, has a tendency to want to flow with Boston overpaid for this guy, uh, and again, I think only time will tell on that one. But uh, being that he has the monster behind him, left field should work. He's not a great defensive outfielder. Uh, the skill set that he's going to bring to the table is is his ability to spray the ball all over the place and get on base. And if you take a look at what he's done over the past three years. Uh, You know, you look at last year, 41 strikeouts, 80 walks. Uh, The two years before that, 26 and 29 strikeouts, 58 and 72 walks. Uh, You're looking at a a player who has hit 20-plus home runs in four of the five past seasons. You know, a, a, a career 421 OVP, 539 slug, batting average 327. Definitely, definitely he can play. And I think in a leadoff capacity in Boston, I think it's a good place for him to land. But you're not looking at a lot of speed. And his principal, uh, the principal skill from a fantasy perspective is going to be his ability to get on base. And he should score a fair number of runs, you would think, in that Boston lineup. Even with no, ex- no Xander Bogart sitting
1: <laughs> sitting behind. Yeah. I mean, that you're know, hitting... Hitting atop that lineup, kind of regardless of who's there, is is nice yeah. for fantasy. Um, yeah, you know, you mentioned the power, uh, and you mentioned the you know the walk and the strikeouts. Yeah. Like when he adjusts to big league pitching, do you see big league pitchers taking away either of those parts of his game? Maybe maybe challenging him more. With strikes and and kind of forcing him to, to try to put the ball in play a bit more. Well, uh,
2: again, he'll spray the ball all over the park. So I'm if they want him to put it in play, he's got the skill set to do it. Uh, again, he, he's not a big guy. I think he's five eight, but you know, you start looking at, you know, he's he's got a a career a career slug north of north of five. It's not, uh, you know, a five, 539 slug. It's not like he's void of power. It's just not the game that he's more than likely to play. And uh, it looks like they've got him penciled into the right spot in the lineup, which is a leadoff role. And I, I, I don't uh, envision any problems with the transition. That being said, I had I had Sugo pick for twenty five to thirty home runs, and we know how that worked out. I feel more comfortable with the pitching coming over than I do the hitting, James.
1: Yeah, no, I think I I think I'm with you there. I, obviously, you know way more about these guys than I do, um, but I just sort of anecdotally, it seems like uh, I don't know the hit depending on how much he's or where he's going in drafts, I guess. But yeah. uh, you know, there there's in my opinion, there, there's nothing wrong with just sort of with a guy like this. Take a year, see how he adjusts to to stateside pitching and and kind of reevaluate after that. Uh, with, with Senga, like it's just going to kind of come down to price. Uh, where, where is he going? How much is he getting pushed up? Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Do you have any sort of uh, big league player comps on Yoshida in terms of what you think he might do in year one?
2: Uh, I would be looking at him as a number four, five type outfield outfielder and, you know, taking a quick look at the outfield heading into this year uh, next to third base. I think the outfield offers us a, a pile of challenges. Mm-hmm. It doesn't appear to be overly deep. There's a lot of question marks. So the fact that he is penciled in for a full time gig is a good thing. Uh, again, you get him as a number four or five. I'd be perfectly happy. Uh, looking at his ability to make contact, uh, Jose Altuve with less power and no speed. How's that? <laughs> I
1: was, so I was I was thinking uh, sort of Luis Luis Arayas of the Twins, uh, but with a bit more power. With a bit more power, yeah, that works. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a great comp, yeah. Which would be, I mean, people would be thrilled with, with getting that player um, wow. if it if it kind of translates. And like you said, the the fact that the contract kind of sort of guarantees him everyday playing time, you'd you'd yeah. think uh, that's maybe the the number one selling point for him because of how much outfield turns into sort of a platoon game late in drafts.
2: Yeah, and again, I think uh, I think we do have to exercise some degree of patience with all Asian players coming over. We're looking at players that have played uh, at home in front of their fans, uh, moving to a different world, uh, heading to North America. There's language issues. There could be kids in school. There's, there's a million cultural differences. And I think all of that comes into play somewhat. Uh, you know, what we saw last year, you know, numerous trades, internally in major league baseball and we saw a lot of players not perform to the level that we were anticipating and i think any time a player moves it's a challenge when a player from japan comes to north america it's it's even a bit more of a challenge so i i would expect uh i would expect steady growth throughout the season if that makes sense as he becomes more familiar with his surroundings
1: yeah yeah no i, I think that's that's very well said uh I can think of, you know, I think there's there's some other sort of recent examples. Um like I think a lot of people are expecting Seiya Suzuki to have an even better year this year than he did last year. I um, am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh same. Uh and then, you know, ha Kim like kind of didn't do much in his debut and then I, th- I think he showed a lot of promise this past season, so it it can take can take some time for for guys to hit their strides when they're Going from one country to another, um, well, it's, so it's, which, a big, it's a big change. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, which other player uh, besides Senga Yoshida? Uh, I know there are some some guys for, for dynasty leagues that you're really excited about. Uh, is there anyone else that we should expect to come over this this off season?
2: Uh, the only other one that we might see this offseason uh, is Shintero Fujinami. Uh, and he's an interesting story because when he first came into the league, he was an all star his first four seasons. Uh, okay, We're in, he's now 22, be 29 in, in April. But after those first four years, there there was an obvious problem then. But it got magnified over the next four seasons. And his ability to find the strike zone—he's got a big fastball. He can he can he can hit 100 miles an hour. Uh, where it's going—that's an entirely different case. So we'll see what happens with uh, Fujinami and his posting. We'll know that uh, just into the new year. But as a relief pitcher, there's some potential there, but. Again, you'll look at the walk rates and wow. Uh, I don't know if anybody, uh, if any teams in North America are going to take a chance on potentially fixing that. But the upside is huge if they can. Uh, moving into, say, next year, I can give you a couple names. Yoshinabe Yamamoto best pitcher in japan back-to-back saw muro awards uh he's looking at a posting next off season Uh, normally when somebody posts a 168 era they'd be ecstatic but that 168 was 29 points higher than his era in 2021 uh (laughs) guy's a monster he's i have i had to rate him uh, right now, on an international basis, I'd say he's a top 15 pitcher.
1: And how old is he? Uh,
2: he will be. He's he will be 25 this year. Again, uh, other than Otani, for the most part, you're not going to see any elite players until after their age 25 uh, season because of the international uh, the international uh, money involved you know, he'll come over as a as a posted player and basically be available to to all. Uh, there's a big difference between what a player gets after the age of 25. And I, I still, for the life of me, can't figure out why Rob Manford has the Asian players in that particular category, because all it does is limit opportunities until they hit the magic 25 years, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I don't try to figure out what Rob Manfred is, is thinking, and, and, no, and no, he's thinking no. it. But uh, so yeah. you you were saying Yamamoto? Am I saying that right?
2: Yes, Yamamoto Yoshinobu. Uh, yeah, he's looking at a posting next off season, and he, pff, I, I, if he repeats what he's done the past two years, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't, you're going to be talking about a uh, Tanaka type contract. It'll be two hundred mil plus.
1: Yeah, that's that's really exciting, yeah. and I wonder if I wonder if he might try to just do um, kind of a, a much bigger version of what Senga did, where he has some sort of an opt out early in there, um, in case he is healthy and coming off a, a big year, and he could just kind of have a, a much bigger contract waiting for him.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I I I think the demand, uh, I think the demand is going to be there at the major league baseball level. Whether he decides to take that as an option. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Who, who really knows, but he's not going to have uh, problems with a, a line of suitors looking to pay him big dollars for his skills. He's that level of player. There's a kid in Korea, uh, Jung Ho Lee. Uh, he's now completed six full seasons and is sporting a career 407 OBP, 495 slug, 902 OPS. Uh, the power finally showed up last year with 23 home runs, but he's 24 years old. He's an option for down the road. Uh, he's just a hitting machine. And I guess the big, big news is that uh, Munitaki Murakami, we're going to see the 2022 Triple Crown winner uh, in 2026. It looks like he's got three more years in Japan, and his team is going to post him. And. That uh, that could prove to be huge. So there there are a lot of big names coming over in the next couple of years. Uh, uh, again, just uh, track track the news on an ongoing basis and go from there. In Dynasty Leagues, uh, if I could get any of those three players on my roster somehow, yeah, I'd, I'd do it
1: in a <laughs> so, in, so for people that play in these Open Universe yeah. Leagues, uh, a guy like Murakami, uh, yeah. you say he... So he'll come over for the twenty twenty six season? Or yes, after? that's
2: correct. Yeah.
1: So knowing that and knowing uh kind of how impressed you are by him, like where would he slot in compared to just say you know, is is he below like Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson type since they're already gonna be up and in the big leagues? Is he kind of in that next year prospects or further down? How would you value him for dynasty?
2: Well, he's, he just finished his age 22 season, and he has 160 home runs under his belt. Wow. Uh, 56 of them last year. Uh, if he continues to play at the level we've seen, um, you're talking an elite level player. Uh, I, would, I would think, you know, in a translation, you'd be looking at uh, a 35-100 type bat.
1: Wow.
2: So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, when I, when I look at, and you mentioned rostering, uh, I, in the XFL, I've had uh, Yamamoto rostered for two years now. So, yeah, <laughs> if you're looking at Open Universe Leagues, uh, go get these guys, you know, and sit back and see how everything unfolds. You're definitely not going to find them available in that particular format. The year before they come over, you're gonna have to sit a little bit, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what those leagues are designed to do: stimulate uh, speculation, right?
1: Yeah, no, I mean those those yeah. leagues are so much fun. I I always get beat on these guys, but I'm I'm sure you're the type of guy that that's beat me on them. So, uh, well, it's it's what I do. So
2: <laughs> occasionally, occasionally I stumble onto one or two. Correct, yes.
1: So uh, I did have some other some uh, some guys that are. Uh, you know, the listeners are probably more familiar with that I did want to ask you about, um, some, some stateside guys, but any, anyone else that, that we should be aware of, uh, for, for dynasty leagues or, or we pretty much I think, covered
2: it. I, I think that pretty well covers off the, the short term. And again, when you start looking down there, you know, everybody's talking about, uh, you know, Suzaki, Roki, and yeah, you know, with the, the, the two amazing, uh, No hitters last year. Perfect games. The the kid's amazing, but he's 20 years old. Okay. A lot can happen between 20 and 25. And and again, uh, one also has to take into consideration that the Japanese league is not established to operate as a minor league system for major league baseball a lot of a lot of teams don't want to part with some with these players we're talking ticket sales it's a business much the same as MLB and on top of that you, you get uh, you get players that just don't want to head to major league baseball so I, I think we've covered off the the bulk of the players we should be interested in now but 6 months from now yeah who who knows who's going to pop into the picture right
1: right yeah this this stuff can can change uh so uh i do wanna so we we, you and i got to be on a a fun panel at at first pitch arizona uh we were in this uh slow draft where we were drafting rookies just for how much fantasy value they were going to provide in 2023 and you took a couple guys that uh as the out season's as the off season has kind of progressed, uh, I've been moving up my set of prospect rankings that'll be um, released uh, in mid January after the, the J 15 guys sign. Right. And I mean, I just, I love this time of year because it's kind of, you're sort of discovering stuff about different prospects that you just wouldn't have time to kind of discover in season. And There's nothing kind of more exciting than kind of doing a a deep dive on a player and being like, oh man, I got to move this guy up.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: Yeah. And the the first one of those guys I want to ask you about um, is uh, James Outman, mm. and I do want to kind of shout out uh, Jack Thompson here because I, and and I know there there are other people who have kind of been giving me grief about uh, <laughs> just disrespecting James yeah. Outman with where I've got him ranked and stuff like that. Um, so I want to I want to you know say hey like, you guys were were right to be on me for that, um, but I mean he he. He ranks really well in some of the, the data-driven uh, rankings that are out there. He is older, uh, which was which kind of took a while for me to kind of get over. And I'm not saying I'm all in on Outman, but I have liked a lot of what I've kind of been finding out about him this offseason. What's what's your take on Outman?
2: Well, yeah, the first thing is, remember, it's James and not D- Josh. Okay, <laughs> when, you, when you get your draft, you want to get the right one. Um, I've always liked the skills the problem has been an opportunity. And in the draft that we did for first pitch Arizona, the idea was to try and look at 2023 and 2023 alone. If we were looking at something a little bit longer term Oatman probably wouldn't have been part of my equation, but man, he, he, he played, he made it to the show last year. Didn't embarrass himself. His numbers at AAA were off the charts good. Uh, playing for the Dodgers represent, represents and presents certain challenges. One being getting playing time. And I think that opportunity could be at hand. And I think he could be a really solid player. So that's why I, I looked at Outman. It was more about opportunity combined with skills. And I think he's going to get the opportunity uh, this year, uh, James.
1: Yeah, you, if I mean he does he is sitting there on the the roster resource depth chart. I think he's on maybe on, on our depth chart as sort of a, a starting outfielder or at least a strong side platoon outfielder. Right. Um I mean, who knows if the Dodgers are done? Uh, yeah. They could, they could always be I would, you know, I'd never be surprised if all of a sudden they're trading for Brian Reynolds or something like that. Yeah. Um but you know, like like you said, if, if the opportunity is there, um, he's he's hit for for really impressive power. Uh, do you, do you see like how much in the way? Like, let's just say he did get a strong side platoon job to, to open the year. Uh, what kind of stolen base totals would you sort of be projecting?
2: Well, I when I look at when i look at at outman i i don't think we're looking at burner type numbers mm-hmm. but i think at the same point in time uh assuming say yeah 400 at bats i think he could steal fourteen, fifteen, and i think he could hit probably for the same level of power maybe a little bit more so again in, in deeper leagues uh i think there's an opportunity there and uh, if I'm looking at a 15-team redraft uh, with the information I know today, I probably uh, I probably look at with O'Field being as thin as it is, trying to find a, a home for him on my bench. I wouldn't yeah. wait. I wouldn't wait to fight it out uh, uh, in the waiver wire battles when you're going against 14 other teams. I, he's the sort of guy that I'd like to stash and just see how things shake down over the next couple months.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of of going after him in like a draft and hold type of setting too. Yeah. Yep. Um, and just based on sort of the, the there's been some prospect mock drafts happening and stuff like that. I I do think, uh, you know, the market is such that you could probably uh, try to trade for him this off season, and even if it's going to cost you more to get him now than it would have, you know, back during the the 2022 season. Uh, there's definitely a chance that his like if if all, if all of a sudden we're talking about James Outman as a guy who um, is kind of locked into a role with the Dodgers, yeah, it's, then you know, it's gonna be tough it, to get him.
2: I was gonna say yeah. Once that becomes a confirmed situation, yeah, if the price is going. Up, up, up a way. You know what I mean? It's hey, it's it's a good team, and he's definitely got the got skills. So, uh, if you want to buy in on Outman, I totally agree with you. Now is now is the time, not the middle of March.
1: And then uh, another guy, and I think so. I think you took uh, Outman in the the third round of our draft. Um, yeah, it was early. Yeah. And then another guy that you drafted, uh, I think a few rounds later, Oscar Colas. I think if we had done that draft, like, today, Mm -hmm. he might go in the first round or second round. uh, Just because there has been so much buzz that he could win that right field job outright. Mm -hmm. Well, the White
2: Sox haven't done anything to change that, have they? No,
1: no. They've (laughs) they've commented on the fact that he could be the right fielder. It doesn't seem like anything's imminent to to stop that, so...
2: And Tony's gone now, so he's younger. It gives him an opportunity uh, a little bit more so than last year. But Colas is an interesting player, and one of the things that I that I do on a regular i, I do a lot of speculating, trying to find situations early where players uh, can potentially fit into a little bit more than what the the masses are looking at. And Colas is one of those players. I I just didn't. I just didn't know what was going to happen last year. I tracked him because uh, I don't know if you're aware he uh, he was part of the Cuban Japanese exchange program. Were you aware of that? Or? Well,
1: I, I knew that he played in Asia. I wasn't eh. sure on the the details.
2: Yeah, no, he uh, uh, he was uh, he was moved over in what 2017. He was just a kid, okay. Uh, him and Levon Moynella. And if you ever hear of Levon Moynella, he just re-upped on a three-year deal over there. If you ever hear this kid coming over, uh, nice pitcher. Uh, he'd be, definitely be an asset. But, you know, Kolas moved to Japan and uh, played in the, I believe it's the Eastern League, Eastern or Western, the minor league system. And it was sort of funny when uh, originally uh, we heard that he was coming to, to North America. He, you, you know, he had... Uh, uh a lot of people quoted his minor league stats as major league stats okay and one has to be a little bit careful there but Colas uh basically after after a couple years in the minor league system uh uh decided to defect and you know he was given his reliefs declared a free agent and he was signed. The interesting thing with Colas is that he was basically out of baseball for two years Mm -hmm. and being out of baseball, I I really didn't know what to anticipate last year in his first season in North America, but he was impressive. The kid has definitely got some skills and uh, the White Sox do a great job developing uh, Latin talent and with with it being what it is in Chicago right now I I think there's a better than 50/50 chance he's in the lineup opening days so that that's why that's why I was all over Cole's uh in this particular draft because I was trying to find players that I thought could could contribute in 2023 and purely speculative on my part
1: yeah I I really like sort of just how much Life he's experienced at the age of 24. I think that that's that's good for you know the the big leagues. I mean, it's a mental game. Um, You got to have mental toughness, and I think that you can kind of develop um, some of that mental toughness when you're sort of put in sort of maybe uncomfortable Uh environments at a young age like that. Uh, I, I like that background for him, and it was I was concerned about the time off as well, but. Right, uh, he really hit his stride. Like the the deeper we got in the season, it seemed like the better he was playing.
2: Well, yeah, and he had a couple of years worth of rust to knock off. But, but right. you're right. At 17, the kid was playing in the Cuban National Series. He's dispatched off. You know, he's he's off to Japan and playing in their minor leagues as a what 18 year old, uh, bouncing back and forth, and then defects, and now he's in major. He's he's got a pretty. Uh, he's had a pretty long and amazing journey for a kid who's under 25 years of age. He really has. And I think, as you said, that bodes well for him, I think long-term.
1: And, you know, it's, if you're just looking at the strikeouts and the walks, Mm -hmm. it's not great, right? Like, I mean, it's kind of a five strikeouts to every one walk type of thing, um, which isn't, which isn't great, but he's hitting the ball really hard. Yeah. I think he. You know,
2: did, I, did you compare his first half in the minors to his second half on the strikes and walkouts by any chance, James? Uh,
1: okay. I haven't. Um, okay. If I was eyeballing it, I mean, he he struck out the most at AAA and more at double-A than he did at, right. at High A. But uh, right. it's tough to kind of compare because he's moving. He's facing better pitchers. as yeah. the season goes on.
2: Yeah, no, I was I was just curious. Uh, I was just curious if you if you dove into it that deep. I, I like his opportunities. I think Chicago, if if he doesn't break camp, I think Chicago is going to give him an opportunity at some point in time in 2023. And uh, if he's not stashed in a redraft league, uh, he's going to make a lot of waiver wire uh, articles at some point in time, I think.
1: And Steamer likes I mean, Steamer has him for a 264 average, uh, 195 ISO, uh, playing time's kind of down, but 18 homers in 110 games. So that's that's pretty good for a projection system when a guy is is his age and kind of had the, the strikeout walk issues he did in the minors. I mean, it, it, it is kind of a, a buying in. Uh, from that one projection system at least
2: yeah well i I think what they're saying is the future uh is trending in the right direction and if you're going to get uh, if you're going to get in on the on the kid i think now is the right time
1: do you have a preference i know you took outman a few rounds ahead of colas when we did that draft uh how close are they now for you just for for 2023 uh
2: if i was to draft a again today they'd be a little bit they'd be a little bit closer outman for me is going to get the edge because he runs right and i think he's also proven uh he also has more of a proven track record than Colas. so uh, I, again outman would be ahead of Colas. but uh, i'd be very happy to have uh, i'd be very happy to have Colas in the fifth round if we were to do this again and i know i wouldn't get him not with you in
1: the room james <laughs> <laughs> that would yeah, a lot, a lot would happen uh, differently in that draft if we were to do it uh, today. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think you, you, the Outman, Outman, definitely better chance. I mean, he he could get to to double digit steals, you know, if he's playing a ton. I do think Colas. If I, if you just said one of these guys is getting to four hundred plate appearances, I'd probably bet on Colas um, just because it's the Dodgers and. You know, the White Sox do not have the Dodgers' depth, or uh, you know, it,
2: resources it seems- to. Yeah, yeah, the Dodgers <laughs> can go and get somebody when they want them. Right,
1: and, and, and it, they will. <laughs> and it seems like White Sox are just kind of pigeonholing themselves in this right now. Um, so I think I think you're going to keep seeing, you know, for as long as it looks like both these guys are are going to play pretty prominent roles, I think their their uh, ADP is going to keep creeping up here. Uh, and spring training will be really exciting on both those guys, too. And and the other two uh, we talked about, uh, Yoshida and Senga, like the, it's going to be great to see what these guys have in the spring.
2: Yeah, I, I've got a question. I got a question for you with regards to the, the draft that we did. you mind if I toss it out at you? Yeah, please. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm a big believer, as just about everybody is, in the Cleveland Indians' ability to develop pitching. And I took a couple of Cleveland pitchers because nobody would let me take Cody Senga. I took <laughs> Cody. <laughs> had some fun with that one, didn't we? <laughs>
1: uh,
2: Cody Senga could have won me the league. Damn it. Uh, I, took, <laughs> I took Cody Morris and Gavin Williams. Yep. Okay. And again, a, a lot of my, my thought process there was they're going to get the opportunity to pitch at the big league level this year. Do you share my thoughts?
1: Well, Cody Morris for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. He's you know he's twenty six. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'd love it if they just could get rid of Zach Plecak somehow and uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> uh huh yeah I'll, I'll <laughs>
2: second and third that one for you James <laughs> like dinner. Like,
1: I, I don't love the idea of Plecak potentially getting a rotation spot yeah. over Morris, um, yeah. but I do think you know Morris. He's ready to be kind of whenever they whenever they decide they need a sixth starter who's not one of those five that we saw kind of in that rotation last season. Mm-hmm. I think Morris probably gets the first look, and so I, I like him uh, for draft and hold especially, um, and I, I like the, the pick in, in that rookie draft we did. Uh, Gavin Williams has a really, really high ceiling. I think he's... He's passed uh, just kind of through attrition. He's passed Daniel Espino in that org for me, just because I, we know he's healthy. We know the stuff. Maybe it's not quite as good as Espino, but it's it's really good stuff. Uh, I just I think Cleveland is is generally kind of going to be patient in terms of how quickly they they push him um, relative to Morris. But all Williams would need to do is is get up in time to make, you know, 12, 15 starts. Right. And I think he'll, he'll show people what he's got. And so I, I think both picks are are good and uh, both picks would look quite a bit better if, if Cleveland can figure out some sort of way to um, maybe clear out one of the the guys in their rotation currently. Pittsburgh's got to be looking for a starter, right? <laughs> please, pl- anyone want please act to be their opening day starter? Yeah, yeah Pittsburgh does. <laughs>
2: Pittsburgh does. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, thanks. I appreciate appreciate your thoughts on those two players.
1: Oh, of course. Uh, so, and anything you want to, anything else you want to touch on here before we we wrap up? Um,
2: uh, n- not not really. I I just. Uh i have to concur with you on on this time of the year it's always a fun time when you can sit back and look at look at some of the players that you're you know you, that you can p- potentially the what-ifs and what could happen and trying to work that all into the big scheme of things is always a lot of fun and at the same point in time i want to thank you for having me on it's uh, it's been a total pleasure and looking forward to the next time uh, we get the opportunity uh, to chat james
1: yeah, thanks so much for, for coming on, Tim. Uh, pleasure was all mine. I really appreciate you kind of enlightening me enlightening me on, on some of these guys. Um, I know you're, you're dealing with a bunch of snow up there in, in Ontario, right?
2: Oh, man, I, I'm looking outside right now and cursing. I can barely see the other side of the street. We got snow <laughs> for the next three days. Uh, I'm missing Arizona for a lot of reasons. Uh, yeah. One of which is my current state of weather, uh, James. She's pretty brutal today.
1: <laughs> well, uh, definitely uh, appreciate you taking the time and uh, good luck up there. And, yeah, hope, hope to see you again soon, Tim.
2: Yeah, thanks again. And we'll catch you again down the road.
1: <laughs> thanks. Uh, this has been a, a bonus episode of the Road to Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, Jeff and Todd will, will be with you tomorrow, and then I'll be back with uh, a special guest next week.